listening to WKND, 1480 AM, Windsor, Hartford. W248CR 97.5 FM, Windsor. This is the Jamal Show. Down in the Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. This is the Jamal Show. This is the Jamal Show. Jamal Jamal. Jamal. Am I, am I am I loud and clear? Can I, can I be heard? I'm good. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. Good morning, people. Good morning, my friends. Person, man, camera, TV. I forgot woman. This must be in order, actually. If you're wondering what the hell is going on, I'm practicing for a very, very difficult test. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. This test is the same test, the very same test, that stand-up comedian Trump is going around bragging about. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. In that order, he had to memorize these words and spit them out back later to the analyst. In the same order. He says that the results of this test prove him to be an absolute genius. Even though the person who created the test says that it's a test to help spot the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. I wonder who can we believe here? So basically, stand-up comedian Trump was given a cognitive test to see if he was going senile. And now he's going around bragging to the world that he knows what an elephant looks like. And that he can count backwards from 100 by 7. These are but two of the test questions. That's right. I mean, stand-up comedian Trump is confusing an Alzheimer's test with an IQ test. You know, I, I, that sounds crazy, right? I know you don't believe me. So let me, let me just play a quick clip right quick, a quick two-minute clip, because I know you don't believe me. Listen, listen closely. Interview overnight. The president not only questioned Biden's cognitive ability again, he also gave new details about a cognitive test he says he took recently. He'd previously raised the issue of the test to say he'd done very well and to question whether Biden would score high points. But during an interview on Fox News this weekend, it was pointed out that some of the questions are actually pretty basic in that test. The president has insisted, though, the last round of questions are much more difficult. And he was asked about that here's how he described those questions take a listen it was 30 or 35 questions the first questions are very easy the last questions are much more difficult uh like a memory question it's uh like you'll go person woman man camera tv so they say could you repeat that so i said yeah so it's person woman man camera tv Okay, that's very good. If you get it in order, you get extra points. If you, okay, now he's asking you other questions. Get it in order, you get extra points. Other questions. And then 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes later, they say, remember the first question? Not the first, but the 10th question? Give us that again. Can you do that again? And you go person, woman, man, camera, TV. If you get it in order, you get extra points. They said nobody gets it in order. It's actually not that easy. But for me, it was easy. Now, President Trump has challenged Biden to take the test. When Biden was asked about this recently and before that interview, he said he can hardly wait to test his cognitive abilities against President Trump. In I'm, I'm going to ask. I'm going to stop it right there for a minute. I played that for a reason. You see how happy stand-up comedian Trump was that he passed the little Alzheimer's test? Well, you may want to ask yourselves, why did the president of the United States need to take an Alzheimer's test? Now, Trump's doctor in the White House, in the White House Adult Daycare Center, says that stand-up comedian Trump asked to take the little Alzheimer's test. He asked for it, they said. You know what I think? I think stand-up comedian Trump's cabinet made him take it. I think they were thinking about using the 25th Amendment on him at one point. That's what I think. Because let's, let's be honest. Who comes into work 
in an executive position as the most powerful man in the world and ask to see if he's in his right mind. Hey, I'm powerful. I, I run the free, the free world. Mind giving me an Alzheimer's test? Stand-up comedian Trump would never do something like that. He's never been that self-reflective. Does, does, does stand-up comedian Trump strike you as the guy who wonders about his own mental state? Even if he should do so? No. No. <clears throat> Coronavirus. That would take a tremendous amount of courage. Stand-up comedian Trump is a draft dodger. He's not courageous. Self-reflection takes courage. To question your own ideals, to question your own motives, that takes courage. Courage is the theme of today's show, so please stay with me. So, his cabinet secretaries probably set him up to take the Alzheimer's test. You know, they told him it was a test to measure brilliance. So that he would try his very best at it. And if he failed it, if he failed it, we would have seen something different. It would have been the foundation upon which to remove him from office. I really believe that. Under the 25th Amendment. The 25th Amendment, if you're not, uh, if you don't recognize it, allows for removal of the president if he's not in his right mind. And if I may remind you, just about every book that has been credibly written about the White House Adult Daycare Center that Trump is in, every book that's been written about this administration says that the 25th Amendment has been considered by the people in the president's cabinet. Because let's be honest again, the cabinet secretaries had, at, at one point they had to wonder why this man couldn't seem to ever tell the truth. They had to be like, something's going on here. Let's investigate. And it's also something they can't tell the public. They can't tell the public, we felt the need to give the president a test to see if he had Alzheimer's. How do you spin that so that it sounds good to people, so that people don't worry more? And by the way... Are you okay with that? Are you okay with a guy representing you at the top that is such an idiot that he thinks taking a cognitive exam for Alzheimer's means that he's brilliant? These are strange days indeed, my friends. Now, if I myself went around acting like a cognitive test was an IQ test, somebody would certainly start assuming that I was unfit to do my job as an attorney. No judge would let me defend anybody on a case, much less run the free world, if I went around saying that I could point out the pussycat on a piece of paper. I mean, that's exactly what's happening here. But at the White House Adult Daycare Center, the main client is stand-up comedian Trump, not the country he's supposed to represent. So their goal at the White House Adult Daycare Center is to always protect stand-up comedian Trump and his already destroyed reputation. And not the country who was dumb enough to elect an idiot to such a powerful position. And other than that, other than that, maniac in the White House, everything is fine. Good morning. I'm choosing to be happy today. And it's a choice. I'm choosing to be happy as opposed to anxious. And that takes courage. Because if you didn't notice, the country's on fire. If you look around, there are nothing but reasons to be troubled right now. This coronavirus is still with us. Completely thriving like a black man on a basketball court. It may be here with us forever. And that's the truth. After all, the Spanish flu of 1918, that's still with us. The Spanish flu of 1918 became our new seasonal flu. That's what it is. And so the coronavirus will likely stay with us into our future as well. They'll be talking about this in, you know, the year 2180. They'll be like, yeah, that there's writing about when the coronavirus showed up back in 2020. This is how they dealt with it. Furthermore, the coronavirus is thriving here in the U.S. more than anywhere else in the world. So much so, so much so that the rest of the world has banned us from traveling to their jurisdiction. We're the ones who are banned now. Trump's not bragging about that. There are signs up in Europe right now that say no Americans allowed without parental supervision. No Americans allowed without parental supervision. Americans can't even go to Jamaica or Australia right now. The coronavirus is thriving so much in America that the 2021 school year is now threatened countrywide. 
while stand-up comedian Trump pushes for children to go back to school with empty threats and comedic routines at the White House Adult Daycare Center, the truth is that the 2021 school year will be disrupted. And how are people supposed to go to work then? Huh? The coronavirus is thriving so much in America that people that I see in the streets are now wearing masks. Mask protocol has changed dramatically, hasn't it? And I don't mean to sound holier than now. After all, it took me quite a while to take masks seriously. I remember back in March, I was working in New York City when I first started seeing people wearing masks, mostly Asian people. I, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe they're used to being in a fascist country. Or uh, maybe they're used to having their government lie to them. So they're like, hey, we better put on this mask just in case. So I chuckled to myself when I saw that. These people are so naive and scared, I said. They don't have the knowledge that I have. It feels good to be one of the information elite. I told myself all types of nonsense. These people are just used to living in an oppressive, oppressive fascist government. Like in China or the Philippines. That's what I said to myself. But now... The common everyday mass seems to be our best weapon against this virus. So five months later, six months later, now all we are doing is wearing masks. Partially because you can't go into a store without them. The truth is we need something like 90% of the public to wear them for them to be effective. And for us not to completely shut down the country again. It's a way of saving ourselves. I guess I was the fool for not taking this virus seriously quick enough. But now we must. And I need to say a quick side note about social distancing. Social distancing is a terrible marketing term. It's really physical distancing that we need. We do not need social distancing. Social distancing will harm you terribly. You are a social animal. All humans are. Even if crowds makes you anxious, you're a social animal. At all times and for as long as we are human, we need to remain socially connected to thrive. Social distancing leads to no thriving. It leads to mental and spiritual death. So, so remember to physically distance, but you still need your friends and family. You still need to be socially connected. This coronavirus, and my apologies ahead of time to the Corona Beverage Company, this coronavirus should have been taken as serious as cancer from the very beginning by all of us, especially the so-called leaders of this country. I say so-called on purpose. This thing has killed over 140,000 American citizens just since January. And may I add, mostly black and brown people are the ones that suffer. I mean, of course, if it's something bad like suffering, black and brown people will always get more of it. That, that seems to be the rule. If it was a disease that gives out free Mercedes Benzes, it would be something mostly white people get. I'm joking, but you get the point. Black and brown people are really suffering from this. And at this point, coronavirus is killing about a thousand people a day. A thousand Americans, not even around the world, just Americans per day. To give you some kind of scope on that, cancer kills about 1,600 people per day. But cancer's been around for as long as humans have been around. Just imagine this. Swallow this for a minute. Last year at this time, we hadn't even heard of coronavirus. Oh, other than common colds, which are also types of coronavirus. I'm talking about this new novel coronavirus. We hadn't heard about it last year. Now it rivals cancer and its mortality rate. It's number three right now, I think, in, in, uh, Ameri in American death tolls. And let's, let's be honest, it's not even about mortality at this point. What if coronavirus just shortens our lives? Sort of like how polluted air and polluted water does. What if it leaves a scar in your lungs like if you've been shot? What if it affects you lifelong? That doesn't necessarily kill you now, but it'll take away from your life later. What if coronavirus, I'll be silly now. What if coronavirus mutates into something that pops out of your chest, like in that movie Alien? I know that sounds silly, but isn't anything possible when you're dealing with the unknown? I, I know of a virus that ants can get. Insects can contract these viruses that literally turn them into zombies. How, how, are we immune from something like that? 
How can we possibly know the extent of the ability of this virus to mutate? There's so much we don't know. So far, over 10,000 restaurants in America have made the decision to close for good. Over 50 million people are out of work, and much of the safety net given to us by our government at this time is about to run out. The extra money for unemployment everyone was talking about, uh, you got $400 or $500 plus an extra 600 from the government, that's going to run out in a week. By the end of this week, of next week, it'll be run out. It'll be empty. How are people going to pay their rent after that? The temporary state prohibitions against eviction and foreclosure, you know, no one can get evicted or foreclosed on now, right now. In a week, that's not going to be the case. Those are about to be run out too, those prohibitions, those restrictions. If states don't renew those restrictions, a lot of people, and I'm saying a lot of people, are going to be homeless in the next six months. People you know. That's real. Nothing's realer than being homeless. I choose happiness, though. But what these times really take is courage. Once again, courage is our word of the day. And don't get it twisted. That, that's a decades-old terminology for you. Don't get it twisted. I, I think that comes from the 80s. Uh, Bishop remembers that. Don't get it twisted. I don't mean the courage to do something stupid like swim with sharks or skydive. I don't mean the courage to try and swim across the ocean or hang from the edge of a building. That takes courage, but that's not the kind of courage I'm talking about. Those actions might be fun, but they are not necessary. I mean the courage to stay in the present. The courage to stay focused on things that are just under your control. I mean the courage to move forward. I mean the courage to stand up for what you believe in. I mean the courage to, to question your own beliefs. I'm talking about the courage to survive to see another day in the lowest of times, regardless of what faces you. <clears throat> Thanks, coronavirus. I want to share a story about courage after the break. And I want to tell you about someone who has always inspired me in that regard. But before I let you become my personal therapist, I need to handle a few chores. I'm going to come back to this theme of courage in just a few minutes, I promise you. Just let me officially get this show on the road. Again, I thank you for being with us. You know if it's Saturday, it's the Jamal Show, the place to get intelligent live and on your favorite podcasting network. My name is Jamal. I'm your host from Harlem, coming straight out of Hartford, uh, WKND 97.5, 14 to 80 a.m., and I am doing this live. The revolution will not be televised. It will be broadcast on live radio and then turn into a podcast that you can find on Spotify. And the revolution will include some groundbreaking music because I said so. Gotta say good morning to the bishop who has not yet been taken away by federal agents set up by stand-up comedian Trump. And thank God for that. Both of us are on Facebook Live while on the air on WKND. But the sound is best while using a tuning app on your phone. Just look for WKND 1480 AM. But please don't rat us out to the feds because those dudes, they're really corrupt. Now, it's been two weeks since you and I have done this dance. Two weeks ago, I told you about the value of work. And by the way, who the hell decides that? Today, I want to examine the value of courage in these uncertain times just a little bit. And how will I pull that off? I may have said this before, but I'm going to pull it off how I always do it, by scheming and planning on how to get you all more intelligent. And it's not easy. Some of you people... Seek to pull me down like a Civil War statue. But I remain vigilant. I remain vigilant. I keep trying. And here's some more free information for you. The Jamal Show broadcasts live every two weeks on Saturdays, which is more than enough time for you to check out the Jamal store and see how many things you can collect to try to support this good Christian radio program. It may serve you well one day to know that I'm an attorney, and if you need to be picked up from the county jail and you have something to trade for that service, you can drop the ransom note at jamalshowradio at gmail.com. Someone just recently reached out to me last week. Um, and if you're listening, I will be calling you later today. Hello to the Connecticut Criminal Defense Lawyers Association. That was messed up. Connecticut Criminal Defense Lawyers Association, thank you, of which I'm a proud member. I keep saying that, hoping that one day one of them will see me at a party and tell me they heard my show. 
But let's be honest, that's never going to happen, but I'll keep trying anyway. I remind you that this broadcast will soon be up on every podcast network that ever existed and will ever exist in the future. Now, that's a great big lie, but it's a lie that we intend to make true. If you're looking for a good broadcast of the Jamal Show to listen to, you should try the one on accountability. That's my favorite, the current favorite. Definitely get the Jamal Show skill feature on Amazon Alexa. So all you have to do is say, Alexa, open the Jamal Show. You can find directions on how to do that on the on where? The Jamal Show Facebook page, of course. And you should definitely like that page. Or else you're missing out. You're missing out, folks. I'm tired of saying this, so I think I'll make a commercial. But please be sure to check out the JamalStore.com. The Jamal Store is a special little place where we at the Jamal Show could ask for your support and you get something back in return from us. The t-shirts and the mugs are hot or lit or whatever they say these days, so please visit. The owners of the station will have me carted away by stand-up comedian Trump's federal agents if I don't tell you that my opinions do not reflect those of the station. And there it is. That's my introduction, folks. Those are my chores. If you don't like it, you can't send it back to the country that they came from. But if you wish to complain, and you definitely will, you will definitely wish to complain. We do take direct phone calls live on the air at 860-218-2173. 860-218-2173. I invite you to make us prove this theory that we do answer phone calls. You do not need an invitation. And please do not call my cell phone if you know me. But you're all family to me. And as family, I can tell what you need. What you need, a break, what you need is a break from your big brother Jamal before I talk a little bit about courage. You need a little music break, and Jamal's going to give you what you need, baby. Why don't you meet me on the other side of God? Go ahead, Bishop. Hey, I'm I don't know about these girls out here no more. Man, I think they think love is played out. You know what I'm saying? I be trying to love them. They want to talk about money. Man, that's like messing with my emotions, dawg Come on Her pretty smile, but I die style Girl, I want that Friends for a while, but a man fat Girl, I just fat Gotta keep it real, let's make a deal When we get back Put me to the test, I'm the freaking best Let me sex that Oh yeah, we can get a room We can pop the whip, we can get low Oh yeah, we can get honey Jack down and money, we can step slow Oh yeah let me eat the cake, we can wake up big, we can go hard, oh yeah Gonna have a blast, tossing up cash, cause it's your job I wanted to wife her, but now she keep talking about money I really do like her, but now I just feel like a dummy She's twerking and shaking and breaking me, taking my money Taking my money 3, 34, 35, 36, 38, oh baby, let's go she call her, he call her, they call her, gotta go, gotta take you home 100, 200, 300, 400, 300, that's all Start our border, but now I'm just proud These chicks run the world Too fly, too fast, too bad You got that all up, bring it that, 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 really wanna dance So fine, the touch of class she got that, that time at the bank sucking all of my cash Oh yeah, we can get right, we can take flight, we can get high Oh yeah, we can get hot, hit it all night, we can say bye Oh yeah, we can do things, pull a few strings, we can rule the world Oh yeah, let the beat bang, that's the hood game, cause you're my girl I wanted to wife her, but now she keep talking about money I really do like her, but now I just feel like a dummy She's twerking and shaking and breaking me, taking my money, taking my money. 3, 34, 35, 36, 38, oh baby, let's go. She call her, he call her, they call her, gotta go, gotta take you home. 100, 200, 300, 400, 300, that's all. Start our border, but now I'm just proud.
always got to be ready for that break, boy. That break has caught me so off guard before, and that's what make this whole thing fun. And that song was one of my favorites by Tabless, a very special artist and a Jamal Show supporter. It is my pleasure to have you back with us on the Jamal Show, the place to get intelligent on WKND and on podcast. Hosted by me, Jamal from Harlem, attorney, TV news junkie, dragon slayer, drinker of Republican tears. Thanks for hanging out with me. You are very special because not many people do that. Let me tell you. So, courage is the theme of today's podcast or broadcast. And during my lifetime, I found that there are many ways to be courageous. In fact, it takes courage to do this kind of work every week on on this show. My dad already told me that I'll never get a government job now. Now, 30 years ago, that would have been like death to a black man. You know, your average black man. Oh, you'll never get a government job. Now is just another challenge that I add to my book of challenges. My grandmother used to tell me that we all have to die, but let everybody know you were here. Don't just die in a corner. And she was basically telling me to have courage, to believe in myself. I mentioned in the last segment that I know it takes courage to swim with sharks. I know it takes courage to see who can drink the most between you and a buddy. But that's not the kind of courage I'm talking about here. And and in order for you to understand, I'm going to have to be a little vulnerable. I'm going to tell you a very personal story about what courage means to me. Now, some people know that just over a year ago, on May 26, I lost an infant son to sudden infant death syndrome. And while this may come as a surprise to many of you, to others it won't be a surprise at all because I was in this studio that morning. After hearing the news that this may be the case, I was here in Hartford. The baby was about an hour away in Bridgeport, so I had some time to avoid the hospital and be in this space for a short time. And that broadcast is still up online. I've never listened to it, but you can. You may. Maybe I'll listen to it one day on my deathbed. If I'm lucky enough to ever get a deathbed, that is, (laughs) not everyone can. Not everyone does. Some people in the potter's grave. I digress, but... When that tragic incident happened to me, I had a discussion with myself. In my mind, the worst thing that could ever have happened to me had happened. So my question was, my question to myself was whether I should live or die. It seems simple. But I told myself if I were to go on living, it could not be the same life that I was already living. I would have to now have some kind of purpose outside of myself. I would need to be courageous. Because now that the worst has happened to me, what is left then to fear? It's If the worst thing can happen to me and I'm not dead yet, what excuse do I have to not go after what I want in this life, to make the life exactly how I want it to be? What do I have to lose now? Who do I have to apologize to? How can my child die with me still succumbing to petty fears like what people may think of me or should I stand up for what I believe in? During this time, I had the courage to self-reflect. That takes courage. I had the courage to survive in honor of my child and that took courage. The easy thing to do would have been to give up, but courage is why I'm on the air right now and not in a coffin. Now, I'm certain that I'm not the only one who has had experiences like this, but it's something that I just can't let go of. I feel the most free, or at least I felt the most free, when I lost the most important person to me. I felt at that point that I had nothing to lose. And you know what? I didn't. We we all don't have anything to lose. Really. That we can't just lose anyway, just by happenstance. Just by being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Just by making a mistake that cannot be undone. So how does one show courage? Well, I've learned that one of the ways a person can show courage is by having the courage to move forward. The past is gone. Have the courage to live in the present. Which is all that exists currently, is the present. One of the most courageous things a person can do is to let go. Letting go of an idea, a place, a person, or a thing is difficult and takes courage. When my child died, I had to let go of an idea. The idea that if a child dies, the parent must die too. Or at least the parent has a reason to die too. But how is that honorable? There wasn't an honorable idea. 
Is that what I want for my other child? Is that what I would want for him if his child should die? If he went through the same tragedy? How does that solve anything? It's also courageous to have some perspective in life. Many, many years ago when I lived back in New York City, well, it's like a nightmare now. Every time I drive to New York City now, I'm like, girl, I don't want to live here. I saw a man, when I used to live there, I saw a man lose his whole entire family at once in the Bronx. He had a wife and five kids. He was an African cab driver with few ties to the United States outside of his family. And he left his house one night. And after he was gone, a fire erupted in the kitchen. Many people that live in New York may remember this. The fire killed everybody in the house as soon as he left. He came back from cab driving and he hadn't heard the news, but his residence was surrounded by cops and fire engines. Now, it's true that everybody's grief is justified after a a tragedy, but I wouldn't dare have coffee with that guy and then complain about losing only one child. That could be seen as a little insensitive. Little. My child died in his sleep. His five children died in a terrible house fire. Maybe it would be nice of me to have a little perspective or be brave enough to have it. Sometimes I still wonder. This happened like 15, 20 years ago. And I still wonder about that guy who lost his whole family when he left the house. Every time I get presented with a challenge in life, I think, I wonder what that guy who lost five kids and a wife to a terrible fire would think about this challenge that I'm now facing. And yes, I know that everybody's feelings are independently justifiable, but still, what would he think about me being a little too scared to speak about, about, about what I believe in? Or to stand up for what's right? What would he say if I was too scared to do that? Now, when my child died, I thought about all the children I watched in stories about on TV. Uh, these children who die because they live in the wrong place. Or because they get abandoned in the woods because their parents don't want them. Or because they were in a plane that got shot down. I mean, some people, this world is really unfair. So a, lot of, a lot of people don't get a chance at all. They don't get chances to make mistakes. My son never got a chance to build a character that you don't like. You know, no one will ever get a chance to say, I don't like that guy. He's an ass. No one will ever get that chance. I even heard stories about other kids who died from southern, sudden infant death syndrome. I, I saw that on TV. I, I heard about this disease before it happened to me. I watched those stories. And you know what I did? I shrugged my shoulders and ate my yogurt. I was like, that's too bad for them. It's too bad for them. That's what I said. But now I have the courage to have some perspective. I'm not the only one in, that life is totally crapped on. People get screwed every day. People lose everything all the time. Most easy to lose is hope. And people lose hope regularly. It serves us well to have the perspective to know that we are not alone. I know that it sounds like I'm saying misery loves company. Misery does love company. It does. Misery loves company. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we must be courageous enough to remember that life will bring us all some absolute misery. Life is unfair to all of us. Nobody is spared that experience. So I'm going to go ahead and make this a shorter segment because I want to um, I want to make a really important point about a life that I admired who is no longer with us in the next segment. And... uh. This life deserves to be highlighted in its own segment. Plus, this subject's getting a little heavy. It's getting a little heavy. So I need some water. And you need a little music. So I'll give you that. And uh, I'll close this out um, when we come back. This is a rapper I'm about to play named Loski from a compilation called The Lounge out of Tanzania, East Africa. A good friend of mine uh, produced this whole album. Um, I'm going to go ahead and play it and I'll get back to you afterwards. It just made us tougher. It made us tougher. Tough, 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 tough. It 
made us tougher. Tough, yeah, tough, ay, ay. They want your soul be cautious. Fake people make me nauseous. Check, check currency for the gossip. All I'ma do is just block it. Made us tougher. Tough, hey, tough, hey. Made us tougher. Sipping up with this wine, Sip. pretending like I am fine. Judgment is easy to find. Judgment. Hope is not hard to lose. Oh. Design like a set of keys. Hey. So, how do I open up without risking further injury? Yeah. I remember days used to cut myself. Hated me so much, I was not myself. You have no ideas how to say that shit. Looking in the mirror like don't save that shit. Uh. Pity party, no one invited. I guess at this point the devil excited. But uh, uh, uh I got God on my side. He asked me, son, why you feel like this? Uh, hope it's not cause you broke before the moonlight kiss. I gave you love, you let it go. You let it go. I gave you love, you wanna hold. I gave you love, you let it go. You let it go. Gonna pick one, can have them both. Yeah. I gave you rap, you made it grow. I gave you love, you made it home I don't know no other uh, Been through a lot, we suffered uh, It just made us tougher It made us tougher Tough, hey, tough, hey, tough It made us tougher Tough, yeah, tough, hey, hey They want your soul, be cautious Fake people make me nauseous Switch your currency for the gossip All I'ma do is just block it It made us tougher Tough, hey, tough, hey It made us tougher Hey, people. I was just telling the bishop that this song that just passed is, is really uh, speaks for what we're talking about today, about courage. Um, the song is It Made Us Tougher. He talks about all the stuff that made him tougher in life. It is my honor to welcome you back to the Jamal Show, the place to get intelligent. My name is Jamal. I'm from Harlem, and I predict that I will be tear-gassed and drug out of here by friends of stand-up comedian Trump one day, especially if he wins re-election. Uh, so that's why you should vote. A quick reminder to check out the JamalStore.com. We could use your support and you could use ours. And you have our support for sure, by the way. Uh, but I just want to mention, someone's been taking out my posters in Hartford. I have no idea why. And I spoke to some people out in the street and someone told me that there's a collector out there who's collecting posters for some reason. I guess I have to have the courage to post them up again. Anyway, I digress. There's something more important to discuss here. I want to take a little time to talk about a life filled with courage, a life filled with courage, a true American hero and a leader who has just left us for a much higher calling. This might be hard to get through. This is someone I admire a lot, a name I feel like every American should know. And you probably do know who I'm talking about. Like everybody notable, the man had opposition. He had a, a opposition is a soft word. It's a euphemism for enemies. But even his opposition admired and respected the pureness of this man's soul. His opposition actually summarized his life much better than I could. These are his enemies speaking. So I'll go ahead and let them do that. I'm, I want to play for you a commercial that the Republicans, the Republicans put this out, uh, a, a group called the Lincoln Project. They put this out about the boy from Troy um, who passed away a, a week ago last Friday. Let me go ahead and play this. was jailed and beaten, but never bowed. The son of sharecroppers, he was one of the first freedom riders. Attacked by a mob and left for dead in a bus station in Montgomery, Alabama, he got back up and led the fight for justice. That was John Lewis. He always got back up and never quit. Surrounded and assaulted by hate, he rejected violence and embraced love. For over half a century, he showed us the true meaning of courage and dignity. Today, America is in another crisis, and a new wave of hate is once again embraced by the powerful to hold on to their power. 
In the days ahead, let us be guided by the courage of John Lewis. He never quit. He always got up. He knew a better day belonged to those who had the courage to act. Now it's our turn. We must say, wake up, America, wake up, for we cannot stop, and we will not and cannot be patient. The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this episode. I just got to say, you know, truer words have never been spoken. That was Martin Luther King's homeboy. MLK called him the boy from Troy. And I want my opposition to describe me that way one day. Uh, when Congressman John Lewis died last Friday, I cried. I might be crying now. I cried for a day, actual tears. Uh, not because of him. John Lewis will be fine now. Um, he's doing better than all of us, wherever his spirit is. There will be no more unexpectedly large cell phone bi- bills for Congressman John Lewis. No more rent bills. Um, and that's my euphemism for dying of cancer. John Lewis is all good forevermore, but I cry for us. I cry for us citizens. Because who do we have to replace John Lewis? His mantra was to speak out when you see injustice, but very few leaders have the courage to do that anymore. The so-called leaders we have now are afraid of being called a name. They're afraid of mean tweets from stand-up comedian Trump. And most of all, they seem afraid of losing their job, which, by the way, was designed to be temporary in the first place. These jobs were designed to be temporary. That's why they're two-year and six-year terms. A term means, okay, well, you're... You're putting your, your furniture in now, but, you know, in a couple of years, you're going to have to move it again. That's what temporary means. We do have some promising people, so don't let me be too hard on every leader. We have our Cory Bookers and our Ayanna Presleys and our, our James Clyburns. And many of these people were mentored by Lewis, ironically. So we do have a bench, as they would say in basketball. But Lewis was still one of a kind. Um, I also cried because Lewis was a justice seeker, the best of them. He's someone we needed to have around, especially in these days. And he was on the right side of history at all times. We don't have many pure justice seekers out here anymore. The kind of justice seekers that don't seek reward. The kind that don't want to sleep with your wife on the side. The kind that have really known hardship. These people are rare. And Congressman John Lewis was a pearl. He was born the son of sharecroppers. We've heard that all week. But do you know what a sharecropper did for a living? They basically farmed somebody else's land for no pay. It's one step above slavery. Some people say sharecropping is a form of slavery. So basically John Lewis was born to people who may not have been slaves, but they slaved. They knew all the slave songs. John Lewis was born into the very heart of the Jim Crow South when black men were getting killed by cops routinely. And protests weren't allowed, or you could be next. He would come from those humble beginnings, I'm sorry y'all, to join MOK's posse of troublemakers in an effort to first integrate the public college that he wanted to attend. And I use the word troublemakers on purpose because John Lewis's mantra was to make trouble, to make necessary trouble, to make good trouble. When John Lewis joined the Civil Rights Crusade in the 50s, he joined at the front line. He rode buses into the Deep South to push for integration, to, to, get, to register black people to vote. And he called himself a freedom rider. You know what a freedom rider is? A freedom rider went around the most segregated parts of the South to register black voters. But back then, being a freedom rider was just another euphemism for riding a bus to a place where you'd get beat up and thrown into jail. How's that for courage? Riding someplace new and knowing you will be abused when you get there. And by the way, you've got no money. Because your parents were sharecroppers. MLK wasn't a rich man. Their work was funded largely by donations. There were no, I got a new car last week. There were no new cars for John Lewis. By the way, guess who was the biggest prosecutor of John Lewis and his freedom riders and the other organizations that went to register black voters? 
None other than Jeff Sessions, the guy who many years later was nominated Attorney General by stand-up comedian Trump. That's right, Jeff Trump made Jeff Sessions in charge of the civil rights section of the Department of Justice. Years after Jeff Sessions actually prosecuted people for registering black voters. So isn't it good to know history, huh? Isn't it good to know history? Let me just add how fitting it is that Donald Trump just destroyed Jeff Sessions' career in politics. Jeff Sessions tried to run to get his seat back down in Alabama. I believe it was Alabama. I could be wrong. Um, and Donald Trump, you know, dissed him. So now Jeff Sessions, Sessions no longer has a political career. Thank God. Everybody gets what's coming to them in the end. Everybody. But I digress. Back to Congressman Lewis. Every time John Lewis went to a protest, he would carry a book bag with a toothbrush and an apple in preparation to spend at least one night in jail. Not because he was a hipster, but because that's what he could afford. This man was the son of sharecroppers. He had no money. He wasn't allowed to go to school. It was segregated. And he went to real jail. Not politicians jail where they would just fingerprint him and let him go. Like, you know, my friend Al Sharpton. Who I have no criticism for, but let's be real here. And that's what he did time and time again until the Freedom Rods were deemed too dangerous to continue. The Freedom Rod had to be stopped. Too many people were getting seriously hurt. And let me tell you guys something. If you give me a glass of wine, I will regale you with tales of my fine education. I went to undergrad here. I went to law school there. But I had no idea how much the actions of John Lewis resulted in helping to push the now dismembered Voting Rights Act. Dismembered by the U.S. Supreme Court, but we can talk about that later. This is dedicated to him. I knew about the march that John had organized across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, now soon to be named after John Lewis, but I had no idea that Congressman Lewis's march was the last straw that motivated President Johnson to sign the Voting Rights Act into law. And yes, I finally did see the summer movie, you know, and, and it was about his march. And I know that this man, he warmed up the crowd for the I Have a Dream speech at 23 years old, by the way. My, my own son is 22. When I was 23, I'd give you a nice speech about Golden State Hip Hop. Golden Age Hip Hop, I mean. But I couldn't give a speech to 250,000 people. I wasn't that mature at the time. The Voting Rights Act was signed into law after President Johnson and the world saw Lewis and his organization get brutalized by cops on TV for simply walking across a bridge in protest. They weren't even looting yet. They didn't get allowed to. The skull of John Lewis was cracked with a billy club. Until the day he died, John Lewis bore the scars of that protest on his skull. John Lewis changed the course of American history with his actions. Many years later, an ex-Klansman would call Congressman Lewis and apologize for his role in brutalizing Lewis. Lewis forgave the ex-Klansman, of course. John Lewis lived the gospel, and the Edmund Pettus Bridge march is not all that Lewis can be credited for. Everybody knows about the fairly new African-American museum in Washington, but John Lewis had been pushing for that museum for over 15 years straight. Every year he introduced a bill for a museum in Washington. When he first introduced it, people thought he was crazy. They're like, Pfft. We're going to put a whole new museum here just for black people. It was silly. Just as silly as an MLK holiday. But he pushed it for 15, 16 years straight. And then George W. Bush signed the bill on the law to create the museum. Then they had to set aside the money. That took years. That museum in Washington, D.C. is the brainchild of John Lewis. So you see, part of courage is moving forward like John Lewis, getting back up, never quitting. I tear up every time I hear that commercial that I played earlier. It brings something out of me. I don't know what the answers are. And I don't want to get all Kanye West in here. But this man will be missed. And by the way, a side word, since I brought up Kanye West, Kim Kardashian is a hell of a courageous woman. Let me tell you, buddy. Let me just tell you that, and we'll get to that another time. But I don't want to lose my point here. 
I'm making good trouble here. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about Congressman John Lewis because his life of service was symbolic of what this show is about. It may be called the Jamal Show, but it could be called the John Lewis Show and be about the exact same subject matter. In fact, I frequently get tongue-tied describing this show to people, what it's about, what the subject matter is about. But I could really just show you a picture of John Lewis and be like, this is what the damn show is about. Right here. Not the man, but his values. We're going to be making some good trouble on the Jamal show. I promise you that. Continuously. Barack Obama said this when John Lewis died. Not many of us get to live to see our own legacy play out in such a meaningful, remarkable way. John Lewis did. And thanks to him, we all now have, we, we now all have our marching orders. We now all have our marching orders to keep believing in the possibility of remaking this country we love until it lives up to its full promise. So even Barack Obama sees that part of being courageous is to always move forward with our marching orders. I'm sure the bishop knows that. Every Sunday, don't you tell your, your flock, it's time to move forward with our marching orders, right? That's, that's the basis of courageousness, to know that the past is gone and we are now in our present. My job is done here for today. Um, rest in peace to the great American hero, John Lewis, who I admire a great deal, as you can see. I'm running out of time, but thanks for being with us on the Jamal Show. Please don't forget to support us at thejamalstore.com. I need to shout out some people. Uh, Cletus, my man Cletus, uh, shouting us out on the webpage. We got some people listening to us in Manchester. I love you all. Thank you so much. Um, Dr. Denise, her husband Mike, the emergency American hero, doctor. I got to say hello to my friend, attorney Clay Wheatley, and his girl Terry. And to all my listeners out there, I love you all. More importantly, more importantly, I need you all, and you need others as well. I'll be very happy to see you right here in this space in two weeks. Have a nice day, y'all. This is the Jamal Show. Down in Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. This is the Jamal Show. This is the Jamal Show. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. Jamal. This is the Jamal Show. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. This is the Jamal Show. This is the Jamal Show. Jamal. Jamal. This is the Jamal Show. This is the Jamal Show. This is the Jamal Show.